Tonight we're going to be looking at the Christmas story as Luke has recorded it in his gospel. And that was read for us through the words of a child very beautifully as we um, heard that familiar story. I'd like to pray for us as we begin. Father, we thank you for your word, for the wonder of this night, for familiar words that we have heard many times about the birth of Jesus, and what joy it brings to our heart, and what wonder and amazement there is that you would love us so much that you would send your Son to be our Savior. Father, would you just speak to each of us in these moments as we think about that, and I pray, Father, that you would Touch our hearts and encourage us by your loving plan. Amen. You know, when it comes to Christmas, all of us have thoughts about what would make Christmas really special. I mean, we think about uh, what is about to come, and some are, like the DVD said at the beginning, thinking about the meal and hoping that that turns out just right. Or it might be that, you know, your greatest desire would be to have everybody home for Christmas, all the family home, everybody together. Maybe it's that everybody would get along, that there would be peace and joy and happiness as people gather. Or maybe it's, you know, that special gift that you hope everybody gets what they wanted, and wouldn't it be wonderful if there was no assembly required? You know, and batteries were always included and all those kind of things that we kind of mess with uh, later on as we think about those gifts. But things don't always go as we plan, do they? Some of you have lost loved ones this year and this will be your first Christmas without them. And some of you have children who won't be home. They might live in another state and maybe it was too far for them to travel. They might be serving in the military. Or they might be like one of our sons who is serving in ministry. For some, it's been a tough year financially. Maybe you are out of work and still looking for that job and trying to make ends meet. Or maybe this year you dealt with some serious health concerns in your life or in the life of someone that you love. Or maybe there is tension in your family and you are praying that everyone gets along. God understands all of that. And He can fill our heart with joy and with hope and with peace, even in spite of our circumstances. I'd like us to think about Joseph and Mary on that first Christmas as it was read to us earlier. Somehow I don't think that things went quite as they would have planned it either had they been ordering all of these things. Mary and Joseph lived at a time of political unrest. You know, we in our country have been hearing a lot in the news about the, quote, fiscal cliff. And we're wondering, you know, will they get it solved this week? Or is it going to mean a big tax increase for everybody? Will they get it done? And will this gridlock in government end? Well, for Mary and Joseph, things were quite different for them. They lived at a time when Rome was the dominant power in the world. In Israel, their country was an occupied nation. There were Roman soldiers everywhere. And Rome had put in charge as the king of Israel an Idumean, a man named Herod, who he liked to be called Herod the Great. He was a builder. And he was a man who ruled Israel at that time with an iron fist. 
And in addition to that, we read that in those days a decree had gone out from Caesar Augustus that there should be a census taken of the entire Roman world. Caesar wanted to know not only how many people there were, but he also wanted to know how much he could tax them, what his revenues might be. And so he wanted everyone to return to their own hometown so that they could be registered properly. Well, what that meant for Mary and Joseph was that they now needed to make a long journey from Nazareth, where they lived, back to Bethlehem because Joseph was of the family line of David. It was a distance of over 80 miles, and they would have to travel that on foot. Normally, if you were young and healthy, you could make that journey in about four days, but being pregnant meant that it would take at least a week or more. To make the difficult journey traveling along the Jordan River around Samaria and down to Bethlehem. When you came to uh, the point where you had to turn to go toward Jerusalem, as you come down the Jordan River, it is an uphill walk, about 4,000 foot climb in elevation, and about a distance of somewhere between 15 to 17 miles, depending upon the route that you were on. It was not an easy journey. And can you imagine Mary being nine months pregnant and riding on a donkey for over 80 miles? That had to have been very uncomfortable so late in her pregnancy. When they finally arrive in Bethlehem, they find out that all the rooms are taken at the local inn. And if you were Mary, I mean, I I would just think you'd be thinking, really, God? I mean, really? I mean, isn't this your son whom I'm carrying? And if this really is your plan, wouldn't you at least have saved us a room somewhere? There were no relatives to stay with, no friends that they knew in Bethlehem. There was only a stable, which was more like a cave, where the animals were kept at the back of the inn. There was no labor room, no nursery, no crib, only a manger which was a feeding trough in which to lay her newborn son, God's son. Really, God? Is this what you have planned? Is this what you wanted for your son? You know, several years ago, there was a woman named Connie who traveled to Bethlehem, and she was excited because she was going to be in Bethlehem on Christmas Eve. And she, in her mind, had just thought, you know, this is going to be the best Christmas ever. But here's what she wrote about that experience. She said, we boarded a local Israeli bus in Jerusalem just as it began to get dark. We were loaded down with all the mandatory paraphernalia. We had our passport, Israeli border passes to the West Bank, as well as heavy coats, cameras, sturdy shoes, some food, and a bottle of water. The bus had been moving only a few minutes when we came to a parking lot that was converted for the night to a military checkpoint. And there everybody had to get off of the bus, and when we got off of the bus, the dogs went in to sniff the bus to make sure there were no bombs on it or underneath it. And then we had to pass through a checkpoint where there were soldiers everywhere checking our papers. We were asked questions like, are you a tourist? Where are you staying in Israel? Do you know anyone in Bethlehem? And the Israeli soldiers carefully searched through our bags. And then one said, surprisingly, Merry Christmas. He smiled and waved us back to the bus. 
The short ride along the spine of the Judean hill led south to Bethlehem, and it took only a few minutes. And then we filed off the bus and joined the crowd winding their way up toward Manger Square in Bethlehem. We passed soldiers along the way, and we began to notice that they were everywhere, on the roofs, looking over the crowd, mingling with the crowd, trying to make sure that nothing happened. Each one carried a machine gun and wore a bulletproof vest. They looked so young, and I thought, all this military presence, if it was supposed to make me feel safe, why am I so jittery? Another checkpoint. We were frisked. Female soldiers patted down the women in our group. My camera was scrutinized to be certain that it was not a bomb. We were searched and our papers were returned. And then we passed through barricades and entered Manger Square. And there, too, we saw more guards patrolling. Hundreds, maybe, in the distance that I could see. And in my heart I was saying it is hard to fathom it that I am actually in Manger Square, Bethlehem, on Christmas Eve. I can hardly believe it. I tried to absorb all the sights and sounds and smells, but wait a minute, this isn't what I had imagined. I thought that this would be a holy evening, that people would just be so focused upon the birth of Jesus, but here there were vendors trying to sell their wares. You know, it was the last big night, the last crowds that were going to be there, and they were selling things cheap. There were people crowding around trying to get the best deal. There, were, there was a choir that could be heard singing in the distance, but nobody seemed to be listening to them. There were those that were even drunk and passed out on the street, clutching empty bottles. People were pushing. The noise was staggering. And I watched as this crowd tried to make its way to the church of the Nativity. When we got close, we found out we would not be allowed inside the church. Only dignitaries with special passes would be allowed in. And I watched the privileged few stooping low to enter the short doorway of the cathedral. And only a few of those who were allowed to enter would actually be able to go to the grotto below to the place where they believed Jesus was born. I sighed in my heart. I said I should feel holy. I should be worshiping. I should be in awe about being here. But I was cold, my toes were numb, and I wanted to go home. This was not the way I had imagined it to be. Well, the next morning, Connie wrote, she said she was in her apartment, safe and warm, and she reflected on the events of the night before. And she thought about all that she had seen that night, and the Lord seemed to speak to her, Connie, don't be surprised and don't be disappointed. What you experienced was what happened 2,000 years ago, too. Bethlehem was an occupied city back then. Soldiers didn't carry Uzis, but they carried spears. And they were on every corner watching the crowds, pushing and yelling. And merchants hawked their goods, and no one was aware that a baby was being born. Take away the electricity, and not much has happened in Bethlehem, or not much has changed in 2,000 years. She thought about that. And she began to experience a different attitude in her heart, an attitude of amazement and wonder that God would send, into, send His Son into a world that is just like that. 
Jesus came into a world that is broken. A world in which we see the presence of sin, the presence of evil. A world in which we long for a better day, for a day when Christ shall reign. And there'll be no more sickness or sorrow or suffering or death. We wait for that second coming of Jesus. It wasn't what she expected, but it was the kind of world that Jesus came into, and into this world he came to be our Savior. The angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. Don't be afraid, a Savior has been born. Jesus entered our world to deal with the very problem that separates us from God, our sinfulness. And because of His coming, because of His appearing, Christmas can fill our hearts with joy and peace and hope when we remember why He came. Jesus came in fulfillment of the Scriptures. The prophet Micah lived some 700 years before Jesus was born and he wrote these words. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace." The shepherds went to Bethlehem to see for themselves the Messiah. And wise men would travel far to worship this newborn king. And Mary would treasure all of these things up and ponder them in her heart. Christmas is special when we remember why Jesus came. In another century, at another time, Philip Brooks was in Bethlehem. The year was December, or the year was 1865, and he too was there on Christmas Eve. And I want to tell you a little bit about Philip Brooks. At the time in which he was lived, uh, in which he lived, he was one of the best known preachers in America. He was 30 years old, and it was Philip Brooks who had been called upon to give the funeral message for President Abraham Lincoln. Philip Brooks was the pastor of Philadelphia's Holy Trinity Church. And he had pastored that church during the bloody years of the Civil War. And those years had taken a toll on Brooks and his church. And he was worn out and he was badly needing spiritual refreshment. And so he took a sabbatical to tour the Middle East. And on Christmas Eve in Bethlehem, he felt the urge to get away from the crowd and to go to a solitary spot where he could just be alone with God. And he did that, and for many hours he was alone with his thoughts as he studied a land that had changed little at that time since the time of Christ. And for this minister, December 24th was a wonderful time of prayer and meditation. And at dusk a sudden sense of awe fell over Brooks. Under a clear sky he saw the stars just starting to appear as the sun had gone down. And he rode into that tiny and remote village of Bethlehem and thought about the story of his Savior's birth. 
And this great speaker was all but speechless as he thought about our heavenly king being born in such modest surroundings. He would later tell his family and friends that the experience was so overpowering that it would, it would forever be singing in his soul. It was that experience that caused him to write the Christmas carol that we all know, O Little Town of Bethlehem. He said, O Little Town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of this heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. What is it that makes Christmas special? It is Jesus. Christmas is about a sovereign God who loved us so much He sent His Son to be our Savior. Christmas is about Jesus who laid aside all of His glory in heaven to come to earth to die on a cross for our sins. Christmas is about shepherds who wondered and wise men who worshipped the newborn King. It's a story that brings hope and peace and joy to people everywhere. It's a story about the greatest gift ever given. It is Jesus. And have you received that wonderful gift? You know, if you have never done so before, I would invite you tonight to open your heart to Jesus and ask Him to forgive your sins and to come into your life and to give you eternal life. You know, tomorrow is Jesus' birthday, but I can't think of a better time to have a spiritual birthday than on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day if you have never made that commitment to Him before. I'm going to close with a prayer of invitation. If you'd like to know Jesus as your Savior, would you pray this prayer with me silently in your own heart? Lord Jesus, I need You. And I thank You for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart and I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. And I invite you to take control of the throne of my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen.